You are listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. Trevor Chew. Now that uh, would be 12.02 here on 3RRR FM. A very, very good afternoon to you all. It's the afternoon. And, yes. And, um, wow, what a weekend. It's cold, but how good's the, the light out there today? It's beautiful. It is. Um, I managed to get to John... There you go, a little thing about what's coming up in the show. Yes. And, uh, yeah, the sun was shining and uh, it was warming me and uh, I thought, I am creating vitamin D and I probably <laughs> needed to do this in the last few days because hasn't it been cold? And I hope, hope those sheep are okay because you always get the, you know, the sheep graziers warning. Well, hopefully they've got like a nice shelter or something. Uh, they can all huddle into the... A little electric blanket. Yeah. Or a hot water bottle. Stay safe, sheepies. Stay safe out there. A good afternoon to one and all. My name is Cam Smith. Across from me, I have. I'm Matt Stedman, and we should also say thanks to the scientists who included a little curiosity show segment at the start there. Yeah, it was they Dean just Hutton. bailed out. I don't know what's going on. I used to love the curiosity show when I was a kid. Me too. That was a, a very, very, very good get. It is the afternoon. We're delighted that you joined us. What are you doing out there on this Sunday? Are you still got the feet under the bed? Because it'd be a good, good morning for that. Yes. Be good, for, good to have for breakfast in bed. Or well, now we're into almost uh, lunch in bed. It's almost it's past brunch time. Let's make it a thing. Lunch in bed. Lunch in bed. Yeah, it's a thing. Just one martini. <laughs> and you, <laughs> you stay never, in bed. You never had a martini in bed. I've no, probably never. Right. No. That's, that's really quite decadent, isn't it? <laughs> There's a thought. What have we got on the show today? Well, um, waiting in the green room, uh, yes. we have Andrew McConnell. Yes. Andrew McConnell, chef, restaurateur around the place. Um, wow, what a diverse group of places he has when you think about it. Almost too many to mention. Almost. Almost. But, you know, from a Japanese-inspired canteen to yes. fine dining yes. uh, to um, great um, food all day at Cumulus. Yes, if you've eaten at Cumulus or if you've eaten at Supernormal or if you've eaten at Cutler Co., you've eaten Andrew's food. You have. Mm. You have indeed. So we're going to have a chat to him about uh, what makes him tick. No, it's sort of like, you know, how do, how do you keep all these balls in the air? One, what do you do on a Sunday? What do you do in your own kitchen? Yep. Um, he was telling me he's got some lamb shanks with anchovy and fennel on Ooh. the slow cooker. Jeez, there's nothing. The, the, the smugness you get. Have you get, got one of those? I do have a slow cooker. And the smugness you get on a day like today when you've already got dinner on, you just you can walk around town going, yeah, <laughs> I'm on top of life. And dare I say, um, and maybe we'll bring this up during the interview, the greatest part of the slow cooker is when you emerge back home and you yes. open up the front door <laughs> and you like, go... Yes, <laughs> I will open wine. If you haven't got a slow cooker, that might be a good motivating factor. Yeah, and they're pretty cheap. You can get them for... 40, 50 bucks? Yeah, I reckon you can. Yeah, you can. I think you can. Um, we go to John because he's the star of the show. Yes. And we have a chat to him, as I mentioned before, in the sunshine, which was very, very good. And then waiting in the green room, um, a fabulous winemaker with his feet across from... The water to the mountains. Yes. Uh, the Grampians, he grows stuff in Hall's Gap. He grows stuff on the peninsula. He makes Riesling, which... Um, which has been a point of contention. No, nah, I just like to... It's just just a, I just like poking him about it, really. It's just... We always it's come like back shooting to, fish in a barrel. It's just we always come back to who who's drinking the Riesling. Who is who, drinking? Why it? would you? Yeah. 
and um, and I've actually, as a bit of a penance for being a bit, you know, a bit nasty really over the times, I have made him something which I reckon goes beautifully with a Riesling. And I'm excited about this because it's quite rare that you cook food and bring it in, but you've done it today. I have. And so to go with the Riesling, we are going to be enjoying a... Leek tart, mm. of which I've made the pastry. Yes. The beche. Yes. Sautéed off the leeks. Yes. Added stuff to it. A little bit of white wine. Anyway, we'll go on into more of that. But I've got a good bechamel tip off you too in the car. We're going to talk about that when he comes on too. We might, yeah, okay. Uh, bechamel yes. tips with Cam. Yes, that's it. And uh, today, in uh, my strange way of looking at the life of Catholic saints <laughs> in a food show. Have we run out of them yet? Surely, no. surely every seven years you would think they would all no, repeat. dig this one. We mm. have St. Lawrence of Rome Day, the patron of cooks. Oh. And protector of vineyards. Don't mess with Lawrence. Very important point. Lorenzo will mess you up. <laughs> he tried to get into my vineyard. Um, also, what else was it today? Um, I had it on the next page. August 11th, uh, Farm Worker Appreciation Day in America. <laughs> That's not when... <laughs> when sorry, I'm laughing at my jokes. I haven't even said it yet. Farm Workers Appreciation Day yeah. when... ICE hasn't come in to take away all the Mexican immigrants. Yes. Yes. So good on you, farm workers. Yeah. Let me check your papers. Papers, please. <laughs> uh, what else happened today? There was something else that happened. Uh, oh, yeah, Booker T and the MGs released their instrumental single, Green Onions, really? way back in 1962. 12.08 here on 3 FM. Yes. yes, it is the afternoon. Eat it is the name of the show you're listening to. Um, we're just going to take two seconds to ponder a question of what's that in your mouth? Well, that's a good question. Hmm. What have you been eating today? You've been out <laughs> on the top end of town. I have, I'm very lucky. I, um, yeah, Burke Street, top of the hill. It's very rare for me to have like a, a Friday power lunch, but I was lucky enough on during did, the week to did go. Did you to wear a special clothing? No, I didn't. Although, okay. geez, the hordes of suited people who, uh, who, Ascend into Florentino's you on a Friday afternoon. The, the great and the good. Well, maybe yeah. not so great, maybe <laughs> not so good. But there were a whole bunch of people going upstairs. We had a with a smug sort of look on their faces and a very sort of masculine carriage about them. Oh, masculine carriage, yes. beautifully put together. Yes. Um, anyway, the anyway. Food, we had uh, a beautiful lunch at um, the cellar bar downstairs. So that's that's sort of the number two. If we look at the grill, sorry, yeah, the yeah, grill. Yeah, so there's the cellar bar, which the tables are very close together, great food. Yes. The grill, where the tables are a little bit uh, more further apart. And tell me, power lunch person, how close were you to the window of Burke Street? Because oh, that, that is the esteemed spot. We were sort of right off the back. I didn't make it to the front. Maybe we booked a little late. But um, yep. as, as you remember on Friday, it was just... Horrendously bad weather. So mm -hmm. to escape uh, Burke Street and just have a bowl of bolotti bean soup was absolutely amazed. It was really good. And then? Uh, uh, boar ragu. Why not? Boar ragu. Get me a boar and cook it. Okay. Um, With you, pappardelle, yeah? And, and I was, we were toasting... Six noodle? Yes, yep. pappardelle. We were toasting the uh, uh, the chef guy, Grossi, and his team there. And you had an interaction with Grossi this week. I did. Because... <laughs> I did. I've got the book. Oh, Andrew McConnell's got it. Oh, the, still talking. The, the Cellar Bar book, which is a really good book. Came out uh, last year. Yes, it is. It, I, it's, uh, it's very much uh, recommended, and I can now say used. Yes. Uh, there's a bolognese recipe in there. 
And I think about, um, do we call it Skippy Bolognese my mum did? Maybe a, a slightly, a little bit more than that. Stephanie Alexander once said, I think there must be as many recipes for Bolognese in Australia as there are people. Everyone's got their own Bolognese. Like grains of sand on a beach. <laughs> yes. Is that sort of thing? Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, well, um, the Bolognese recipe that the Grossies have is kind of wild and interesting in the fact that it's uh, 800 beef, uh, sorry, 800 grams of beef. Yep. A hundred grams of pork Check. mince, and you sort of go, yeah, that makes sense. Pork mince, when you put it in with the rest, it's sort of it's kind of soft and nice, and mm-hmm. it gives a bit fattier sil- maybe yeah. silken stuff up, depending mm-hmm. on how much fat you've got in the mince. True. Yes, um, and then this is the weird thing. Yeah, a hundred grams of chicken mince. Huh? Chicken mince. Yeah, chicken mince. So eight hundred beef, one hundred pork, one hundred chicken. Chicken mince. Okay. Yeah, all right. Um, so, anyway, but, okay, so the way you cook this thing very, very quickly, bare bones, sofrito, mm. so onions in the pan, slowly, 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 fair bit of olive oil, yep. and then garlic towards the end because you don't want to burn the garlic, do you? Otherwise, no. it's going to make bitter in your dish, mm-hmm. and you'll be bitter and twisted just like it, so don't do that. Then uh, the meats, move them around like that, uh, and then you put in the spices. In this case, this is kind of an interesting spice, clove. Yeah, pinch of pinch of ground clove. Mm-hmm. I put a little bit too much. Oh. That's all right. You got to watch clove. It can well, take it, over. it does. It's sort of like cardamom. Like, I've never been able to do a dish without putting too much cardamom in there. But you think I'd learn? Um, and nutmeg, bay leaves, red wine. Yep, about two hundred mil. Yep. Let that reduce. Uh, two tubs of paste. Tomato paste. No chopped tomatoes in this. And this is what's oh, very different to... It's quite to be thick, so it'd be less fluid in it. <clears throat> yeah, indeed. But then you put a litre of water in, a litre, oh, okay. yeah, and a then lot. you reduce that down until yep. it goes very, very rich. And it was amazing. But, it was, what, but why do you put the chicken in? Yeah, well, that's what I was pondering, and I, I lost sleep. I, I, <laughs> I tossed, I turned that night going, chicken, why, why? I see these giant chickens with carrying tomato paste in my dreams. I didn't really, but uh, so much so that I thought, and I thought, hey, I've got Guy Grossi's number. He's been on the show. I'm just going to ring him. So <laughs> I did. I just rang Guy Grossi. And you can imagine, you talk, guy. About, talk about someone with a lot of balls in the air, right? <laughs> oh, it's Cam Smith. I wonder, it must be important. Yes, Cam, what's wrong? Um, hi, Guy. Um, how are you going? I love your book. And he went, okay, that sort of softened him, I suppose, for the whole thing. And I said to him, Okay, I get it. You know, the, the beef, the pork, what's going on? But the chicken, what's doing? He went, oh, that's what mum did. <laughs> and then I think he thought about it a couple of minutes. He, oh, I've got to say something. Um, it makes it more rich. <laughs> and I went, oh, rich. Okay, that, yeah. That famously rich chicken. Yeah, rich chicken. I don't know. But anyway. It's perfect, um, though, because it's what mum did. That's why you do it. That's why you don't not do it. Otherwise, you get told off. Are you going to argue? Yeah. You don't argue <laughs> with the nonna. In uh, in Italian kitchen, because first the finger comes up, wagging, and then you never know, the wooden spoon might come out, Ooh. and then you just want to run. Um, what else was I cooking? I don't think there was anything else that really well, needed to be Well, that's good, because we've got no time. We should move on and uh, have a chat to Andrew McConnell. I think we should. It's yes. 12.14. We need to get a move on. You're going to play some announcements? Yes. I'm going to drag Andrew in. Yes. Get away from Duncan Buchanan. He's a bad influence. Oh, and I have my microphone suspended in the air. We're just going to put it down, <laughs> put it down. gently. Here we go, ready? Go. 
Nice. That was good. Well-oiled machine today, isn't it? Ah, we are. 12.15 here on 3 FM. You are listening to Eat It because it's the afternoon and you're here. Good on you. Andrew McConnell's here. He's hydrated. As we can hear, a very, very good afternoon. Thank you for coming in. Pleasure. It's been a while. It has. How long? I think at least 18 months. A footy season. We'll say a footy season. Let's say that. Okay. Um, And uh, my first in-depth question I'd like to ask you, Mr. McConnell. How did you get into this? What made you... Because actually both you boys started cooking. Mm. Um, And I'm talking about your your brother, Matt. Um, how did you start cooking? And I'm wondering, maybe you can tell me about, you know, the first things you might have cooked it's and if uh, you got in trouble with mum. Not too much trouble in the kitchen with mm-hmm. mum. Did Outside. you do Mother's Day breakfast for her? Yeah, I th- yeah, we always did, made an effort and cooked. For, yeah, I mean, yeah. you have to. Did you clean up? Yes. Okay, that's because that's that's the that's the that's the follow up that's kind of important with mum. Well, we had a large family, so we had a cleaning roster. Yes. Oh, really? Mm. Did you snap tea towels at each other? Really? <laughs> yeah. You have to. You, have to. you knew how to make a rat towel? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Whack! God, they could hurt, couldn't they? Uh, they could draw blood. They could draw blood if you did it properly. That's it. Yes. But uh, Cooking no, Genesis, though. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a tricky one because it wasn't my intention to leave school and start cooking, mm. even though I um, dabbled in it and enjoyed it. I was, uh, you know, looking at um, travelling down another path. But I, th- I what think was I, the other path that you I was, I was, I was looking at the possibly doing travel. a fine arts course. Fine yeah, arts. Was, yeah, I was really enjoying art and painting at the time. Yes. Towards the end of school, but um, you know, fell into uh, cooking, and um, I think I'm, you know, you know blessed of I found it when I did, because um, just good time. Yeah, it was a good Timing time. Timing was good. Well, I was a little bit older. I was about 20, so I was mm. when I really committed to an apprenticeship. But this was also maybe that time when the chefs were sort of coming out of these Dickensian holes in the back of restaurants where they just laboured anonymously. You know, we, we've started to see... One of the things we've seen in, I think, our lifetimes in watching cooks and restaurants is the advent of the open kitchen. Mm. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Is that too much of a generalisation? No, not at all. I think it was at a time where um, I, th- I suppose the um, the restaurant industry was gaining momentum. Yeah. Um, and there was more opportunity. There for, was. For not just uh, chefs, but people who wanted to get into the, uh, into the game. And people started wondering about the names of chefs. But sorry, I interrupted you and you were talking, you said that one golden word, apprenticeship. Yeah. So uh, I think the apprenticeship was uh, good for me at the time. It was kind of something I needed to find. It kind of took me away from a pretty full-time nightclubbing lifestyle, which uh, which was fun for a few years after school, but I have to say that it was time. It gets a bit tiring, doesn't and it? it? And if anything, it was probably good for my life expectancy. Um, but uh, but um, yes. in, in hindsight, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed because I'm one of those people who really – Really love what they do. Mm, where was your first apprenticeship? Uh, Bill Bill Marchetti, I worked with. For, I'd for forgotten a few years. that. Yeah, really? Yeah, right in the early days when he um, first bought um, Triarca's Latin and turned it into Marchetti's. Wow. Mm, so that was a pretty pretty interesting time. What was he like? Because oh, I never even I never met Bill Marchetti. Yeah, amazing. He flew away one day, but that's another story. That's a, that is another story. <laughs> but, that's, um, can, that's a long path we can go down, but but. Um, but the, the purveyor of the most expensive pasta in Melbourne at a time. 
Yes. It could be said. Yes, absolutely. But Bill was Bill was uh, you know really inspiring. I hadn't met someone like that before who was kind of quite well travelled, um, really intelligent, uh, a beautiful cook, and you know larger than life. And it was a really uh, interesting mm. and mm. Um, you know well, it was quite impressionable at that time. And to be yeah, yeah, and to, to be uh, in this environment, um, you know, made a lasting. Um, I suppose impression an imprint on the way I cook today. Did he drink? Yeah, he did. Did he provide as well as the 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 basis of la cucina, um, the the wine appreciation that went with that by any chance? Yeah, I think that a little bit of that that evolved like, in like time because when when Bill Andrew, this is a Barolo here. Yeah, no, n- not so much then because no. when Bill first started, there were still things like lobster thermidor on the menu, and it was Can in you, those early what, days. What is lobster thermidor for those that have? Born in this century, <laughs> it's a mustard sauce. Pretty much, it's a pretty much a pretty mustard much. sauce. You chop the poor bugger up and you shove it under the griller with this little bit of flour in there as well. To thicken e, it. nice, yeah. Nice. But I think in those early days, it was. Um, and you get great western with that. You do, you do. But Bill was at that time, I think, kind of changing the way I was cooking, and he it evolved and you know found this direction and moved closer and closer to Italian cooking. Away from Skippy pasta, pretty much, yeah, and and, and general European cooking. Mm. So it was really interesting being there, being around Bill and that kitchen, and seeing those changes. And then and that evolution. Do, do you mind just going on because this is an, an interesting thing that you followed on with, where you got to meet. I don't know how soon this was after Bill Marchetti, but Michelle Garneau. Yes. Um, yeah. Wow. What? Are, how did you meet her? I met Michelle. Michelle advertised for a chef. Yeah. Um, uh, in, in in the age back in the old uh, Epicure days, and um, I just returned from abroad. I was qualified chef to, a chef at this stage, and um, Michelle had advertised for a head chef for her small fine dining restaurant in Hong Kong. I applied for the Michelle flew down and interviewed a few people, and I got the job. And you know, a few months later, I was living in Hong Kong, and that was my first job uh, running a kitchen. And that would have been amazing. It was, it was, because I think... Um, and this is pre-1997, because that was the name of the cafe, if I remember correct, right. Correct, yeah. So yeah. I was there in 96. 96. 97, 98. So Before was, Patton sort of sailed out on the Britannia. Correct. So of his pre- gorgeous daughters. Pre and post that handover, it was quite amazing, you know, mm. witnessing yes. the changes. But as a young chef travelling to Hong Kong, it was uh, a pretty exciting time for me. And you would have learnt so much. Yeah. I learnt a lot about um, Chinese food. I was three years in um, Hong Kong and two years in Shanghai with Michelle. where mm. we, we opened a restaurant in Shanghai on the Bund. Um, but it was interesting learning a lot about Chinese food. Um, but more importantly, Chinese technique. Uh, and how it's different from yeah, Western, obviously. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, inheriting a, a team of, uh, you know, 10 Chinese chefs, it was Really impressive, um, and some of the most talented chefs to this day I've ever worked with. Is there any sort of pithy little aphorisms or way that you can sort of say this was the difference that I saw between a Western boy looking to the East? Well, what did you see? What was? I think I looked at it, um, you know, professionally. Mm. I, t- I took a lot um, from the different layers um, in Chinese cooking and the techniques, particularly, like. 
previously, you know, if we cooked a duck in Melbourne, it was always usually braised or roasted. But you know, in 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 um, in Hong Kong, we were either steaming the duck before frying and roasting it, or we were poaching it quickly and drying it and then roasting it. And there um, were all reasons for this. Correct. Know? Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, even though it was a, a European restaurant, um, we were applying a lot of uh, techniques that I was learning from the people around me. Mm. And did, um, just out of curiosity, the, the guys you were working with, did they all use cleavers? Yeah, absolutely. That is insane, yeah. isn't it? To see a, a Chinese, like, bo- hey, bone out a duck or something with, with a cleaver and then do the finest spring onion sort of thing or... It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing to watch One someone knife. bone a quail with a massive cleaver and how yes. they use the heel of the knife yeah. to uh, find their way. It's, it's really impressive. Yeah. Oh, so okay. Well, okay. So we worked out um, how you sort of came a, along with stuff. We were going to sort of list all the restaurants in your group, and there are many, and many, and incredibly diverse. And I guess one of the obvious questions is, how do you keep all those balls in the air? And and Matt and I was sort of coming in the car before when mm. we, we were sort of going, what do you do during what the day? Do, what do you what do? Like what? What is it? What is the life of a chef who oversees a good handful of restaurants? Well, um, I don't run a handful of restaurants. I've got a, an amazing group of people I work with who who run the businesses now, um, and that's from you know someone in, um, incredible in accounts to a general manager. Um, got people who run marketing and you know some HR help and the wine person yeah, for and, the group. And, yeah, exactly, mm. and. Um, I can't name them all. No. There's plenty of, there's a lot of us. Um, yes. But it's this uh, infrastructure now that has evolved over, I suppose, nearly 18 years I've been working for myself that allows me to move away from the day-to-day and, I suppose, do the things that not only I enjoy but I'm best at. Delegate and walk. What are the things you're best at? Cooking. Oh. Working, cooking Why should people. I sound, sorry if I sound yeah. surprised <laughs> that. Sorry. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean yeah, to sound surprised I'm, when you said that. My apologies, Andy. Yeah, <laughs> no, I much prefer to be in a kitchen um, cooking than working on a you know a pair of marketing whip. Yes, and um, it took me a while to work that out. And um, it wasn't until probably about you know, four or five years ago that I was often found myself sitting in meetings, <laughs> dreaming about cooking. Yes, flavors, flavor coming. <laughs> and I was unhappy, and you know something had to change. Mm. Um, and it was at that point in time that we uh, looked at our structure and you know how we ran the businesses and employed some more people to you know to strengthen our management so I could get out of so these you, dream meetings. Yes, and, and spend more time in the kitchen and escape. So, uh, which kitchens are you spending time in now? Well, I try to you know work across the different kitchens and try and spend a day in each restaurant, but it, it depends. It changes, you know, from week to week depending on what's happening. Mm. Um, but you know, I've I've got the best job where I can you know work with the various head chefs, work on. I suppose. The, Do you become like a surprise chef? It's like all of a sudden you just oh come through the doorway. Where did it come from? Hey, I'm a guy. No, no, no. Okay. No, I don't. I don't need. I don't need to be the mystery okay. uh, shopper. Yes. Um, you know, you got, got other people to do that for you. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's true as well. Yes. But you know, you know, I think it's really important to uh, trust the people. Yes. You work with. Yes. And, um, you know, I have that in spades now with, with, with the people I work with. Mm. And um, I feel as though I'm working creatively, but 
a real support, more of a support role as well yeah. for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, what are you cooking at home at the moment? In place, like right now? Some of the, the water if you want a, like, a little like, soup. Like right now? Ah, a free kick, really, if you want to talk about uh, what you're cooking right now at the moment. Actually, I do know that there's a slow cooker yeah. with something delicious in it. Well, I bought a slow cooker. You I only just got one? I only just got one. Wow. You know, a few months ago, and I bought it for my wife. And um, Joe, <laughs> that you take who away from watching her. it, yes. yeah, who hasn't had a look in, sadly. But yes. um, it's, uh, I love it. What's well, good about it? I love that you can put it on, like you said earlier, and you can walk away for the day and come back, and you know the house won't be burnt down. Matt, no, no, we're just saying that when we the smugness, most yes. importantly, the smugness. Yes, but I love. Um, you know, it's great for braising meat, of course. That's the obvious. Quinces, mm. the best in the slow cooker. No. Oh. Longer and slower, the better for quinces. So, so you can get that really deep burgundy deep colour. colour. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And you can, you know, and the good thing about the, the slow cooker is you can suspend things as well. Yes. So when you think they're ready, you can hold them, uh, let them cool down, and then actually just put it back on. And if I could just give that is probably one of the greatest advices if you still like, do dinner parties, um, that get yourself a braise or something so that it's just ready and you can just mm. plate up so you don't have to freak out. Yeah. But I find that the, the less you put in the slow cooker, the better. Yep. Okay. So keep what, what's in your slow cooker? Just let people right know. Right now, I've got, um, I just chopped up a fennel. Yes. Um, on the bottom. Yep. So half a dozen lamb shanks. Yes. Browned or just chucked in? Straight in. Straight in. Yeah. Really? Half, a dozen, ha- half a dozen anchovy fillets. Eey. What sort of anchovies? Uh, or it is, salted. Oh, oh uptown. Yep. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Much. Yes, thank you. And, uh, and then some garlic and a splash of white wine. And what I like about the slow cooker is you don't need to immerse or submerge everything in liquid. Mm. I like the, more the of a steam, dry... The steam works too. Yeah, like a, more of a dry braise. So when you finish and you, you want to eat it, you don't mm. need to re- stand around and reduce the sauce for hours on end. No messing around. Boring. Just get in there. <laughs> but anchovies are a really important element with uh, with uh, savoury cooking, I find. I, I, I like to add an anchovy instead of a pinch of, pinch of salt. Sounds great to me. Mm. There's a great recipe from Philippe Michel, and I'll do this because Matt's going to start giving me the wind-up. Philippe Michel says, if you make a reduction of... Uh, what was it? It, it was pretty much anchovy tarragon. Anchovy tarragon, a little bit of oil, garlic... Cook that out on a little sort of pan, and then you puree that and put that underneath like a rack of lamb or um, delicious. Yeah, it's just incredible, and it's great for people who hate anchovies too because it's good. You're out to lunch with the I fam. Am. I am. Will you say hi for me? I will. Where are you headed to? Heading to Chibi in Collingwood. Okay, it sounds good. Well, thank you very much. Uh, Matt's making like a helicopter, so that means yeah. it's it's time. Um, <laughs> Thank you very, very much for coming in. Great Enjoy the day. Thanks for the chat. Done. Some music, Cameron. Oh, yeah, this was interesting. Your pick this week. Uh, no, actually not my pick. This is uh, Mirrors, the pick of um, uh, Far and Wide uh, that was on Friday. It's a little bit avant-garde. Yep. There's a language warning here, too. Oh, so yes. if you've got the little ones, go out and play in the traffic. John, what's going on? The sunshine making you generous. Oh, generous, mate. I feel like I'm alive again because it's had its moments for the week. <laughs> and they tell me later today the hail's coming, so make it worthwhile while you've got it. Hail Mary. Yeah. <laughs> You're <for a> <laughs> no, 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 no. Hey, actually, my, my thoughts were with you in the last couple of days. I was thinking if you out here sheltering under a shed with the, just the, the wind and the rain and... <laughs> 
Oh, my Lord. I, I thought maybe maybe he'll make a fire or something. Yeah, well, in the olden days, the old Chinese guys used to get the old uh, olive tins and break them open on top and throw the old sticks in and light them up, but you're not allowed to do that anymore. So, yeah, no, 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 not I, at all. I kind of like the sound of that. It's sort of such a cross-cultural thing, the Chinese... Yeah, using the, olive tins. You know what I did? I come up here on a Friday night after school, and the old Chinaman's got the fire going, and I've gotten got a fresh sausage on a stick. <laughs> he nearly wanted to kill me. He said, get out of my way. Really? Yeah, I was making him hungry, you see. I remember one of the greatest moments that I've ever had at the market was the one time Mr. Louis up there said, you want to sit down and eat with us? And I sat down, because I used to have lunches there. Yeah, well, they used to eat well. Well, we all do. See, we bring our food from home. Mm. Um, before we had the big thermoses, and uh, we always had soup or a stew or something in them. And even in the earlier days, I'm talking about 50s and 60s, mum and dad actually had a primer stove here. Yeah. And uh, they'd cook up their breakfasts. When you get up really early and uh, you're freezing, you really need something to warm you up to get you going through the day. So there's nothing better than a good good plate of something hot to keep you going and start life up again the other one was uh, cam russell down down there in frigidaire gulf gulch over there it's cold the coldest part of the market there just near the dairy doors because there is never any sun and it just always seems very cold but he used to do the most amazing they had like a little kitchen organized toasted sandwiches Yes, yes, definitely. And you're, like and you're lucky to get one of those. Anyway, here we are. We're at the market. A very, very good morning to you. Um, we can confidently say it's uh, it's midwinter, isn't it? Yes and no, because have a look at these asparagus, oh, mate. Okay. Look, this is a big fat asparagus, thicker than my thumb. And mind you, I got. And he's big got big thick. Too. He's got big right. hands. Now we've got these little spindly ones. Yeah. Not my favourite. People look for the thin ones. And I I keep saying to them, it's okay if you've picked them on the edge of a forest and you've got a wild asparagus to have them thin. Mm. But when they're jumping up out of the ground, the big ones take just as long as the little ones to grow. Mm. So they're big and juicy. And I've been saying to my regulars, if you think the big ones are too fat, cut it down the middle, leave the top bit whole, cut the bottom bit down long ways, Mm. and it'll cook all the same time. It'll be the best asparagus you've ever eaten, and you'll never eat the little ones again. This is a a little early thing of spring. I I was actually surprised when you... First thing you did when you handed these to me, I thought, yeah, those little ones are very, very spindly. I wouldn't really go for them. Yeah, but a lot of people look for them. Yeah, I know. There's just a two different ways we buy asparagus but this big thick one this cooey rub yes it is cooey rub um it's not a full crop what they do is um one or two will jump up here and there and they have to go and pick them that's why they're so expensive they've got to walk a bit of distance to to get a full box Mm. not like when they're going you know they're they're millions all together and they just chop and pack and and we all have a feast. So at this time, we're selling 15 a kilo because these were classified as seconds because they're a little bit ugly, but there's no waste on them at all. They're not straight and pretty, that's all. And the flavour's good. I got lucky. Franco made us an asparagus omelette during the week. So she must love me one way or another. Wow, Okay. so uh, (laughs) so all all, all is good at the moment. And I got battered cauliflower as well, so it must be exceptionally good. Okay. that's something that will do because you're still in winter and you're still heading into spring so yeah. uh, these are a beautiful comfort food for me so and very 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 good for you and very good for you as long as you don't have it every day because you know they are fried in olive oil and um 
Yes, some of us uh, are a little bit heavier than others, but we're still careful. We have a balanced diet, I'd y- like to Yin think. and yang. Yes. Is the goat. Do you know these things are related to the lily? This yeah, is, this I is a lily. Surprise. And a lot of people say, oh, I don't like it because uh, they make everything smell. You have to be thankful because <laughs> if you. What, what do you mean everything smells? Well, when you pass water, <laughs> you can smell it, but. That's genetic. It's you, only, you, that's only a certain percentage yeah, of people. But a greater percentage. But if you, yes, if you yes. do smell it, it's good because you know your kidneys are working. You know what's really weird about that? Is that you can eat pretty much the asparagus and we've in it, and it'll happen within. I reckon. Uh, yes, that's so. Added. But like I said, it, it, it's what's good going on because there? Your what's kidneys, going on there, John? Your kidneys are working. Yeah. Um, now, just observation-wise, if you look up there, oh, you can't really. See, oh, you can sort of see. It is the biggest line I have ever seen for the donut fan today. This month, I think it's the biggest I've ever seen in all the years that I've been coming to market. And I've been coming to market while Dad's been doing this 72 years, so I'm only 63, so from before I was born. But never seen it like this, you know, even when when the market was really jumping. um, And they're pumping them out. It's not as if they're slow in doing it. No, just the thing. Uh, Just in case you're wondering, context-wise, what are we talking? The American Donut Kitchen, um, 75 years, was it? Something like that. Yeah, we had a chat to the the daughter uh, the other day and talking about it. And all the way from uh, the Melbourne Olympics to the present day and around Victoria, this place has been pumping out donuts and... Yeah, they're doing it today. You've got a capsicum. Now, this is to show you contrast between winter and summer. Mm. Now, this beautiful capsicum came out of Queensland. Have a look how thick the flesh is, Cameron. Tell me, what's that, five, yeah, half a centimetre or more? It's thick, almost, it's like almost his little finger. My, my little finger. I don't yeah. have as big a hands as John. This, this is a beautiful capsicum. That's a Full of vitamin C, full of juice, full of colour. Yeah. You know, it does wonders to a stir-fry or stuffed capsicum. Can you know you... what I did the other day? Tell me. Okay, in the oven, blister the skin, you know, hot oven. I, I, I just rub a little bit of oil on it because that heats up the skin faster. Um, anyway, you get the skin off, you chop it up, and you put it, you dress it with some olive oil. I've got some fresh oregano, and some fresh oregano leaves just sort of ripped up and put on top of it with a bit of salt and pepper. Gee, that was good. Sounds good. Yeah, it was good. I'll tell you a better trick. Uh, of course. Uh, a lot of people look for these beautiful, hard, big capsicum. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. But the real grandma's trick is grandma. to get a capsicum that's a little bit withered. If it looks a little bit wrinkled on the skin... Yeah, don't throw it out. Don't throw it out. It's a riper capsicum, more sugar. When you put it in the oven, it doesn't burn. All the skin burns up, wrinkles up, goes black, whatever, and your capsicum's beautiful and juicy. Maybe a little bit thinner flesh because it's ripened up. Yeah. But the, but the intensity, the intensity of flavours and aroma is better. And also, you don't burn it. Like I said, these younger capsicums can burn, mm. and yeah, they don't always have that strong, beautiful smell and flavour that the older ones have. And. And that can be a little bit more acidy. The acid will turn into sugar like a tomato. Mm. So, yeah, look for that. Try it. It works. I've had to convince a few of the girls to do it, but then they agree with me. Oh, good. Like I said, grandma's old tricks are always better. Oh, you always listen to grandma. Uh, The other thing that I really, really like is um, um, if you get one of those and do what you say, if you puree that 
That makes the most beautiful sauce. Like, okay, I, um, I don't know why, but I just thought of um, John Dory. A couple fillets of John Dory just lightly pan-fried and then placed on top of that capsicum puree. Gee, that's good. Getting decadent. You said, but it's so simple. You know, that's that's well, the thing. That's what good peasant food is. Simple, yeah. man. You know, and profundo, profundo, ah, profundo. Yeah. yeah. And talking about winter, yeah, I've got a beautiful oh, round nice. Murray Bridge tomato. See, that's nice. The right? colour and the shine, and that's unbelievable. See, that looks good. When you cut it, in, that's got a thumbprint on it. Someone's put. That's why we don't like people handling our tomatoes. Oh, you're in that somebody <laughs> did that. <laughs> yeah, of really. Whoa. You can see it's a thumbprint. Oh. Anyway. When you cut that in half, again, the perfume, the odour, yeah. the smell, or should I say, and the texture and the sweetness of it's unbelievable. Even the calyx looks yeah. really, and, really and, fresh. And this and is a winter crop, don't forget, so we're blessed uh, in that respect. That is that is really good. That looks a lot better than a lot of the um, tomatoes so in the supermarket. Oh, mate. Oh, mate. They're, they're, like it's not so gourmet. They're, they're anemic. They need, yes. they need blood. But even when it's got colour, they've got no flavour. Yeah, okay. And then we got the ugly rouge de marmande and um, wrinkly. This is really wrinkly. It's got nice colour. Softer, though. More juice, more sugar. Mm. Everyone's different. So we got a tomato for everyone. Tomato for all seasons. Tomato for all seasons. No, and not tomato right, yeah. for, for all, all people. All tastes. For all tastes. Yes. All tastes. Because, uh, uh, yeah, that's the thing. Now, what are we up to? Oh, we better we better move on. Yeah, I think it might be time to do uh, a pick of the market. Pick of the market. You were eating my green beans before. What did Ooh, you say about it? Uh, they are good. They were they were sweet. Uh, they were crispy. They had a little bit of that um, almost like gel inside them when you right. break them open. That is what you look for. That tells you that they are pristine and amazing and hand harvested not machine picked and 11 bucks which is too bad considering it's been blowing a gale all up and down the eastern seaboard mate yeah yeah that's good there's um not many rubbishy beans for that reason normally you know you get a lot of machine picked beans even they've had problems so Mm. we've been lucky to get our quota of um special beans and the peas as well they've been coming out of gimpy they're like sugar as well people have been buying them it's a lot of work to open them up but just when you eat those peas supermarket peas they come in third or fourth where would you be without gimpy ah definitely you know they've really changed the industry a lot mm. in the olden days mum used to say you know we had cauliflowers in the middle of summer that were purpley and yeah. now we've got them all year round we've got them from all over the place we've got good veggies from all over australia yeah what, what else can you ask for? What's Franca cooking for you tonight? Tonight, just a quick pasta. We had a, a banquet and a half last night. Yeah, yeah. I got um, coconut chicken with pumpkin in it. Yeah. We had uh, fried rice. We had boiled rice to go with a coconut chicken. That's not Italian food. Well, no, we've got to mix it up, you know. <laughs> this is multicultural. Oh, hey. We've been rubbing shoulders here with the Italians, the Greeks, the Chinese, the Vietnamese, mm. the Arabs, and that. And we take something from everyone. That's what makes us Australian. That's right. Love. And happy. Good country. Yeah, sunshine. Definitely. And sunshine. sunshine stuck. But wait five minutes, who knows? <laughs> anyway, look, it's, it's good for now. Um, hey, we'll uh, we'll see you at the other end of uh, Radiothon. Um, have you got any message for people for Radiothon? Well, when the Radiothon's on, people will ring up and subscribe because you know what? Someone's got to pay the bills. <laughs> it's plain Perfect. fact. So, you know, we, we all have fun doing this, but, yeah, it's got to be done. Sounds good. So subscribe. On, on, on that bombshell, I'm going to get out of here. Thanks, John. No worries. Have a spectacular day.
Hey, look out for my glass over there. Hey, Sarah Jane. Drink, huh? What sort of drink you want? What sort of drink you want? Make it a double. Yeah. Let's drink. Cheers. 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 Ooh, nice. Not bad. <laughs> and. Oh, there we go. Hey. It's, <laughs> like, it's not as romantic as the pop, but it is still. Come on. Move with the times, kids. It's a screw cap. Evocative sounds. Duncan Buchanan, it's so good to see you here. Cam, it is good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Hey. And you, Matt Stedman. Yes. Yeah. And uh, there we go. The sound oh, of pouring. Sorry, You've brought in this we? rubbish wine again. It's the rubbishy Riesling. And this is something that I've what? given you a hard time for for so long yes, now. Yes, you have. That it's a hackneyed running gag, isn't it? A um, hackneyed. Yeah, well, a hackneyed running gag. It's just talk about it all the time. And I do because – and the, the basis of it is that Australians don't – that smells damn fine. Um, Made it myself. Um, smells great. Is, and we're talking about Riesling um, and the Australian version of Riesling. The Germans do it a little bit differently because it's more fruit. German, like I'm thinking, like, like okay, oh, he's got his hands, he's doing it, he's doing the, he's not the, Cameron, not the teapot, Cameron, Cameron. he's doing the sugar bowl. He's got his hands on his hips and looking at me. Um, okay. Generalisation, cabinet, um, uh, more fruit-driven. Um, we make more sort of steely, not flinty, but um, yeah. l- lemony, limey uh, things I, I, here. Can do. You can, we can do. There are a lot of exceptions to every every rule. Jeez, that smells good. And uh, but that, that's kind of what I and the genesis of this whole thing. As I wave my arms about madly, yes. the the genesis of this whole thing was you have been taking extracting the urine, shall we say? But, I have been merciless. I'm like a urologist. And uh, yes, they're about Riesling for a long time. And yeah. you've always threatened... It's an easy easy target. Oh, exactly. It's yeah. a, but it's always been the threat that you will Jesus, make a leak tart yeah. in order to... And then we could try it on air yeah. with some Riesling to see yeah. how it goes. And listeners, Cam Smith has come through. We have in front... <laughs> this doesn't make the greatest of radio. I suppose I'm about to describe what's in front of me. Yeah, yeah. Theatre of the mind, Duncan. Have a go, mate. Have a go. <laughs> Won't die. Won't eat. No, this lovely leak tart that Cam had. You put this together last night, Mr. Smith? I worked on it last night. Um, yeah, because it, here's the thing. Leeks are sweet. Um, butter is fatty. Uh, you combine those two things. That's basically what this is encased in pastry. Um, and the generous acids that you have... God, I'm sounding like a wine wanker. Um, the thing about Riesling is I thought it could work. What's the verdict? I think it does. I've just had... A sip of the one. This does have a. This is a 2016 um, Fallen Giants Riesling that I did make. Um, loaded up with acid. I know there's a fair amount in it. Tiny it hit smells of, great. Tiny hit of residual sugar too, which I is think works. Yeah, it's tiny. Barely. It's only about four or five grams. So, to give you a bit of a snapshot on what people generally can wow. taste, mm-hmm. uh, below about three grams per liter of sugar, the average palate won't. See that as sweet. You might get some sort of hint of fruit sweetness, but yeah, I'm getting grapefruit at the end of that. Is yeah. that? Yep. Yeah. yeah I, wow. I back you on that, and that's it. Does have those more citrusy sort of mm. tones to it? But that's again, that's that acid thing that really cleans it up. Night really will clean up that. Come up, come up the back and say, "Is there any butter here I got to deal with?" Exactly. Yeah, I'm here, don't be, you worry about I'll that. Be, I'll be cleansing your palate now. I'll Thank you very much. But there's this weird uh, vinosity about it at the at the front. The mm. um, 
This is actually a really. What do you think, Matt? Let's get an opinion. Oh, he's just had a bite, so yeah, he's going. He's, home, he's put up his hands in the air. Go, I got nothing. I'm eating. Homer Simpson See, over there can't talk eating. I'm masticating. <laughs> so I would normally reach for a Pinot Gris with something like that. Yeah, but you're dead right. The Riesling is. It's a little snappier. It is. I would snappy. say. Yeah, mm. snappy little thing. So, um, we can say that uh, Riesling works. And the, excuse me, that velocity that you're talking about, um, or I would the more viscosity, I would say the at the at the front, the of the front. yeah, it's weird. And then it all that just goes, that goes. That it just, just disappears. That's then. just that little bit of sugar. Because I was only fooling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It's, you go, oh, <laughs> <laughs> but it, that that'd be just that that tiny hint of residual sugar. How much? Uh, Quanto? Uh, to buy that, yeah, you can't anymore. Oh. But if you were, I think the current release is about twenty five bucks. Whee. Yeah, it's a nice so, one. Yeah, so and yeah, lovely. I'd like I lament the fact that I don't make these wines anymore because I really no one buys it. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help it. <laughs> right, you me car park now, Smith. I've had it. Punch on. No, why aren't you making this anymore? I don't. Work, I don't. I don't work for those people. Oh, so this is this they're is, dead this, to me. Exactly. <laughs> you, you people are dead to me in halls. That's from Halls Gap, yeah. It is, yeah. Halls Gap Estate. So, so does that mean you're not going to the Grampians anymore? Or are you? No, I still do. I still um, get well, a bit of fruit for myself from up there. Well, yeah. Well, um, what's the name of your label again? Prosimo. Prosimo. Yeah, it's um, P R O. Prosimo. It means next. Because mm. there's always something more to do in the industry camp. So, Prosimo's books. You oh, never... that's different. <laughs> Sorry. The reasoning's gone. Oh, Matt, I, Matt, I was Matt, just going to ask chair. for Prosimo wines. Is where do you, where do I buy that? If I've listened to you and thought, oh, I want to try your wine, yeah. uh, Seddon Wine Store is your best bet. Go and right. see, go and see Lucky there. Good spot to get your wines. A bunch of places on the peninsula too. Uh, yep. Rye Independent Wine Shop, Fine Wine Merchant, Mount Eliza, Blair Gallery, IGA, Black Arts. You got them yet? No, they, they can be a tough nut to crack. I'm working uh, on them. Though. Come on, you're listening, you guys, aren't you? Don't Can't. listen to the show. But um, Duncan, give him a ring. Thank you. Uh, right. But yeah, so I do. I still do a bit of uh, Shiraz from out the Grampians. Love that area for <coughs> Shiraz. Absolutely adore mm. it. Um, and I love it for Riesling. But what I want to do with my Prosimo wines is make sure that I can get the vineyards long term. I do with my Pinot. I do with my Shiraz. But if I'd love to do a Riesling, but I need to have that vineyard long term because you can. Be, good question. Thank because you. you can um, you can make so much. That's why I'm here. All we do is ferment grape juice. I've said this a million times. Yeah. All wine is is fermented grape juice. Get the grape Don't, juice. So let if, it bubble. That's exactly it. So right. if you can get your f- the biggest impact that you can have on wine quality is in your vineyard. How you make it bubble? Exactly. And so right. if you can get, you just need to get your fruit in pristine condition. And the only way you can do that is to run the vineyards itself, which I do. And you need to have a vineyard on site, I would say too, wouldn't you? That would help. It would help. But, I mean, um, sorry, no, uh, the bottling, fermenting stuff. On site, what do you call that? A winery bit? Winery, yeah. yeah, thanks. <laughs> the, the, yeah. the wine factory. When words fail. If the, it's, uh, the, the closer you can have it all, the better. Mm. Absolutely. But, you know, it's I can't – I don't have enough money to lose to go having <laughs> a, a winery on the peninsula and one out in the Grampians as well. I yeah, just, wow. You know, Bless you. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, so it, to have it all very close to home, awesome, but it doesn't always work. Because you must do a lot of miles too. I do. You would. I like the car. Yeah. I like talking to myself. Hello. <laughs> Audio books are good for that. But that's. But I, I enjoy that too because it gives you a good regional perspective. Like part, mm. part of what I do, I set up wineries as well. That's a part of my gig. So I'm around Victoria and New South Wales and Tassie a fair mm. bit. And it's um it's a, it's nice because you get that great regional perspective. It makes me kind of sound like you might know what you're on about when I come on shows such as this camp. Hey, which is kind of good. And um, now I was speaking to... Uh, 
uh, Gary Mills. Uh, and we were talking about, you know, the seasons and other change. Uh, let's face it, the, the one thing about you guys is you're out there at the vanguard of watching what's happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was saying, <laughs> you know, with this warm weather we sort of had a while ago, the Merlot was starting to sort of fatten up and mm. was getting qu- close to bud burst. But I reckon this weather we've had this weekend <laughs> just go... No, I'm pushing the sap back down to the roots. Thanks very much. It will push. It will put the brakes on it to a certain extent. I've been chatting to people who are pruning, and there is a bit of sap flow happening, and that does slow down with colder weather. Mm. But one thing that I notice, uh, I'm based on the peninsula, the um, the cherry trees at the end of South Road, they're starting to move already. So it's not magnolias the, already out. Yeah, exactly. Cherry blossoms. Are out. They aca- would have said this was a mistake. A lot of acacias out as well. There's just splashes of yellow all over the countryside. So I don't just look at the vineyards. I will look at the other stuff around the joint and go right. What else? What else is moving and things yeah, but things are moving i was chatting with jerry from willow creek the other day and she was saying there's some buds swell, which is when vines start moving in some chardonnay mm. albeit young chardonnay and that's they're typically the ones to go first but we're we're a month off what would be typically bud burst so it's mm. got to stay cold for at least another four weeks otherwise i don't know you don't want to be Cats having will be lying with dogs well that's it and the, the headache is if things start growing early now mm. we will be picking fruit Oh God! In, in middle Boxing of, day, in the middle of February. Oh, okay, <laughs> when it's going to it's going to be it could be hot as hell. So the late yeah. the, the, the later the bud bursts, the further back the season goes into autumn, and the more gentle the weather can be. So let's pray for it to be cold for a little bit longer, shall we, kids? Because that's what you want. Anything over thirty five degrees, the grapevine shuts down and says, "I'm not producing sugar." And things stop will, work meeting. Th- things will shrivel. You can lose canopy. Ah, the oh, four oh, horsemen the... of the apocalypse just go barging through your vineyard. Let's have some more leek tart. It'll uh, make us feel better. Thank you for bringing this. In- Sensational Riesling, which is no longer no, available. No, Cameron, I'm, thank you for finally <laughs> extracting the digit and yes. making this delicious leek tart. It's been hey. worth the wait. It has been worth the wait. And, uh, folks, uh, it is one of those great singular pleasures. If you, uh, It's a good thing to make on a Sunday, too. Make a little bit of pastry, sweat off some leeks. Make a little bechamel, blind bake your thing. It actually takes ages. Actually, maybe, maybe just bring Uber. No, don't do that. That's a terrible thing to do. It is uh, one o'clock. We do need to go. I see Neil in the seat there. He's ready to he's ready go. To take he's, over. He's, he's got his red headphones on. Uh, next week, of course, Radiothon starts for 2019. Can we get a little triple R guest who will be joining us? Yeah, do we tell him who it is? Oh, maybe wait till next week. Oh, I love it. But I want to know now. No, you can't. You just just. Take your kid out and have a ham and pineapple pizza. <laughs> thanks for the reasoning, Duncan. Pleasure. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Cam. See you next week. And thank you, Andrew. Hope you're enjoying lunch if you're not already there. And most importantly, thank you, listeners, for tuning in. It's a pleasure. We'll see you next week for Radiothon. You've been listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. For more podcasts, information about upcoming events and our live stream, please visit our website at rrr.org.au.